It's time to get a hold of one of these um, and open to First uh, Corinthians 11. And uh, while you're doing that, I want to I want to say to those of you who didn't hear me make this announcement earlier, um, I think you you have to give me this. I don't do this much. I, I do it sparingly, if at all. But um, I'm pleading with you. You need to be here Wednesday night. There are things that are going to take place that are going to leave you in the starting blocks if you, um, if you don't hear it. So come be with us Wednesday night. And then if you want to uh, change your Wednesday night schedule and, and play bingo, uh, that will be sad, but uh, you go right ahead. But this Wednesday night, you need to be with us. Um, now, follow uh, in your copies of God's Word, 1 Corinthians 11, verse 26. Just one brief verse. It reads like this. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the Word of our God, it endures forever. Hey guys, uh, I think you know that I'm one of those people who believes that the Lord's Supper should be observed often. The reason I believe that it should be observed often is because the text uses the word often in verse 26. It also is found in verse 25. Of course, the problem is the Bible doesn't tell us what often means or what it has in mind when it says often. So we'll just have to trust that once a month is, is uh, often enough. But apart from that issue in this verse, there's something else I want you to see. Um, We've already discussed that often thing in the past. So I want you to see this. this, um, For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim. (laughs) You proclaim the Lord's death. It's not that you proclaim his life. It's not that you proclaim his ministry or his miracles or his teaching. You proclaim his death. Now, guys, normally we don't, we don't talk much about deaths. But this is one um, that we are supposed to proclaim. We're supposed to shout about it. I mean, my goodness, why are we shouting about it? I mean, um, I, you know, I can understand if, if the text had said um, you need to announce it. Or you need to um, you need to discuss it, but to proclaim it. I mean, my goodness, uh, are, are we are we are we proud of this death? Really? Why why is it, ladies and gentlemen, that that this is something that is supposed to be proclaimed? Just a few thoughts uh, concerning the sacrament, and then we'll. We'll head right into it. But first of all, ladies and gentlemen, um, this is a sacrament that tells you a lot about that death. I, I think the first thing that it tells you about the death of Christ is that it was a violent death. It was violent in the sense that it was a death by tearing. It's a death by wounding. It's a death by bleeding. It's, um, it's life extracted like you squeeze juice out of a grape. It is bread that is torn. It's a violent death. 
You know, um, probably one of the most famous battles that ever took place in all of the history of military, American military history, is something called the Battle of the Bulge. I think you probably have heard of the Battle of the Bulge, uh, December the 16th, 1944. Uh, lasted about a month. Um, but one of the scandals of the Battle of the Bulge was something perhaps you've never heard of, and that is called the Massacre of Malmedy. Um, it's when the Germans massacred 84 prisoners of war in a field outside of Malmedy, Belgium. Um, the, the German officers that were responsible were, were tried for crimes against humanity and uh, were convicted and found guilty. And the one that was the most primarily responsible was, a, was an SS officer by the name of Piper, P-E-I-P-E-R, Yochin Piper. And he escaped the death penalty but he uh, was given life in prison. But he only served 11 of those years. And he got out. <laughs> he got out in uh, 1956, I think, and uh, got a few jobs. And then he moved, of all places, to um, France. When the French, this is like 20 years after he'd gotten out of jail, when the, when the French figured out who was living among them, uh, he was in a little guarded area. In fact, they've got pictures of it on the internet. This little, this wooded area that you couldn't even see his house because of all the woods. When the French found out who he was, they showed up and they murdered him. Um, they burned his house down with him in it. <laughs> That's a violent death. Those, that, those deaths of those 84 men in, the, in Malmody, those were violent deaths. But my point is, we don't shout about those. We don't proclaim those violent deaths. What is it about this one that is so, that is so different? Well, let me mention three or four things and we're done. The first thing that, that is so special about this death is that it's substitutionary. That is, this is about the Lord's death. It's not about mine. That is, he's the one that's doing the dying. I'm the one doing the eating. It is, it is Jesus Christ's death that is in view here, not mine. The one that should have died and didn't was me. But the one that should have lived, he died. And he died a substitutionary death. He died a death that was in the place of people like me. That's worth shouting about. I'll tell you something else about this death that is worth proclaiming. It's a reminder. It's a reminder that um, the Lord was pleased to crush him. Did you know that your Bible said that? That, that God was pleased to crush him? Isaiah 53 verse 10. Did you know that? God was pleased to crush him? I mean, is God some kind of sadist? No, ladies and gentlemen, not at all. The fact that God was pleased simply underscores the truth of John 3.16. For God so loved that he was willing to and did crush him and was pleased to do so. Because the Father and the Son knew that the only legitimate payment for my sin was the death and sufferings of his own son. 
You know, ladies and gentlemen, the New Testament says that Jesus was pleased too. Did you know that? Hebrews chapter 12 said that it says, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross and despised the shame. It was a joy. So both persons of the Trinity are rejoicing in this death. It is Jesus that knew. He's the one that cried out, it's finished. He knew that his father had set a payment, that there was a payment for sin that was needed. And the only payment that would suffice was his sacrifice. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I'm here to tell you that's worth proclaiming. The father and the son get pleasure out of providing a payment For your sin. I'll tell you another thing. Not only is is it their joy. It's our joy. There is something so unique about this death, ladies and gentlemen. We simply don't talk about death like this. Like verse 26, we don't talk about... I mean, we mumble about death. I mean, we, we we don't go to funerals as celebrants. We go to funerals as mourners. Death is a sad subject. Death is a negative subject. Death is something we don't like to talk about in mixed company. But then Paul turns around and says, hey, y'all, celebrate it. Proclaim it. Shout about it. Because through it, there's life in it for you. Not only does the Father and the Son take pleasure, but it's our joy, too, that is contained in this death. And that's something to shout about, ladies and gentlemen. One other thing, and I'm done. This is a sacrament also that reminds us of our, um, of our oneness. Let, let me explain. Um, You know, in this room, there are people who have certain views of baptism. Other people have different views of baptism. Here, among us. There there are some people in here who view God's sovereignty one way, and then others of us view God's sovereignty another way. There There are some of us that have one view of eschatology, and others of us have a different view of eschatology. But there is one truth that we all know is central to our faith. This one. It is the death of Jesus Christ that has swept us all up and brought us into the same family. Oh, we got disagreements. But if you're in this family called Christianity, ladies and gentlemen, you agree about the centrality of what's being portrayed here. You know, just recently, I, um, I went to the movie to see this, this Dinesh D'Souza thing, America. And um, there's a scene in that movie where he's interviewing an African-American woman. And um, he asks her, he says, um, um, how long did you live on welfare? And she says, well, on and off for seven years, but totally and completely wholly for three years. 
But something had happened. There was a turnaround, and now she's, she's teaching college courses someplace. And he asks her about the turnaround. And in this movie, this African-American woman says, I went to church, and I heard the gospel. <laughs> and I sat there and teared up. Because I was proud of America? No. Because I was proud of the gospel. You know, immediately, I felt a bond with that woman. I've never met her. I never will meet her. But I felt a bond with that woman. Why? How? What is it that brought us into a commonality? This death. This is the thing, ladies and gentlemen, that makes us one. Disagreements, sure. I got disagreements with my wife. But over this, any man, woman, boy, or child in this room who is a Christian, we agree about the centrality of the work of Jesus Christ on behalf of his people. And I say to you, ladies and gentlemen, that is worth proclaiming. So, ladies and gentlemen, do this. Because as oft as you participate, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Our Father, I pray that you will stimulate us by these simple thoughts. I pray that you'll remind us that um, what has happened to us, that we've been brought uh, into the same family, by the same work, by the same person, Jesus Christ and him crucified. That at the center of all that we believe, at the center of all that we know and hold dear, is this death, the death of the innocent sufferer and substitute for the guilty. And so as the guilty, we come, the guilty who know that we've been forgiven. Now, Father, meet us here and by grace, remind us of all these things and might our hearts swell in joy and in delight, in pleasure as we consider the death of Christ for us. Do that for Jesus' sake.